I'm Stephen. And I'm Kevin. And in today's episode of the Stephen and Kevin Show, we interview industry legend Rob Knapp. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 20 of The Stephen and Kevin Show, and we have a special treat for you today. Yeah, we've got Rob Knapp on the show. Welcome, Rob. Thank you very much, Stephen, Kevin. Yeah, glad, glad to have you here, and, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Rob is a little bit of an industry legend here, uh, right, yeah, Kevin? Yeah. I mean, most of you know that name. He started the Supernova program back when he was a managing director at Merrill Lynch. And I think it says enough uh, to the fact that, Rob, you had this program studied by Harvard and MIT. I think that has a, has a little bit of uh, – gives you an idea <laughs> of the impact this program had over the years. Now Rob is uh, running a, a great program over there with the Supernova Consulting Group, mm-hmm. and he was nice enough to agree to spend a few minutes with us here today. So, Rob, uh, first question for you today. You know, you created this Supernova Advisor um, program. You wrote the book, uh, Supernova Advisor. Advisor, sorry. Um, and for the rare few, the one percent of the audience right here who doesn't know what that is, what exactly is the concept of Supernova? Stephen, thanks for having me today, and uh, Kevin, thanks for uh, the opportunity here. Supernova. It's really interesting because in that last. Uh, met with an executive with one of the leading firms and and he said what else are you offering besides supernova and i was taken back by the question meaning i don't think he really understood what supernova is so Mm -hmm. thanks for the opportunity to kind of explain what it is and how it's evolved over time it's, a, it's more than a process. Everybody thinks of supernova as a process, the 80-20 rule, and it's more than that. It's really kind of a philosophy of practice management. It's based on the concept of giving before you get, I think made most famous by Zig Ziglar. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his famous quote, you get more of what you want when you help others get more of what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also based on the concept of be it before you can have it, made famous by Larry Wilson. The concept that before you can become president, you must go through various steps of growth. Uh, So before you can have it, you must be it, you must become it. And so that's a part of what we do. And also the concept of focusing uh, your energy on what matters most versus what matters least. So that's kind of a, you've got to earn it before you can have it, meaning we develop in Supernova a process uh, by giving exceptional experiences to our clients. Uh, The FA creates the opportunity to go deeper with their client because the trust is deeper, and they become infinitely more referable. And, Rob, it uh, sure they, seems like you're, you're helping advisors become the real deal. Almost all of them would claim to provide high-level service, and certainly some do, um, but almost everybody would claim it, and, and you guys seem to go in and, and really help them uh, get their act together in some ways. Well, the, one, of the, one of the challenges is asking a client 
what it is that you like about your financial advisor. And you'll typically get an answer like, he's a great guy. Um, he's really good at what he does, and I really like him, and I think you'd like him. And that's the way they refer you. And the problem with that is, is it really doesn't define you. And unless you define yourself, then the client will define you in, in a very vague way. Right. And so I think it's very important that clients understand, financial advisors understand, that they've got to train their clients in order to have them be good clients as well as be able to introduce them themselves in, a, in an effective way. I saw a clip on your website a couple of days ago, Rob, where you were explaining the difference between uh, you know, an advisory practice and a dental practice in terms of who's running the operations. Would you mind sharing that analogy with everybody? I thought it was great. Yeah, I mean, the, the dental practice is probably the simplest practice that there is to making the analogy of why professionals operate the way they do. I mean, when we studied service, we examined every other profession that was in the market, and we determined that doctors and dentists and lawyers and CPAs all operated appointments, and those appointments were not appointments that the doctors made or the dentists made or that the CPA made, but were done by their administrative assistant or their, their office manager. So the concept of going into a dentist's office and being greeted by the administrator is fundamental to Supernova. The, the administrator greets you, hands you over the dental hygienist, who then hands you to the doctor. The doctor then uh, looks for their opportunities in your mouth, hands you back to the dental hygienist, and then who then uh, hands you back to the administrator who makes the next appointment. So they close the loop. So the dentist owns the practice, but who's really in charge of the practice? Mm -hmm. That's the administrator. Right, and I love that. I think you, you also noticed that the dentist is looking for opportunities in your mouth, Rob. I feel the same way sometimes. <laughs> right. <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> right, absolutely. I mean, I, when I hear Supernova, I always think about, um, when I read the book, was the idea of you, you have to kind of um, reduce to grow, right? And, and that seems almost counterintuitive, to reduce to grow. Can you talk a little bit about that, Rob, that concept? Now, when we were, when I was a manager, it was very difficult to get financial advisors to give away accounts mm -hmm. because it was always a negative and a minus. Mm -hmm. In order to turn it into a plus, I think the FA has to have the confidence that they can use that time effectively to bring in new business. And that's a confidence uh, concept that, that you gain by improving your acquisition strategies and, and really believing that if I had the time, I really could grow. If they don't believe that they're going to use that time effectively, then there's no reason to reduce their practice or to mm -hmm. focus on what matters most versus what matters least. So the only thing that giving away clients does is give you time. And 
we focus on the, the concept that the most valuable thing is not money, but it's time. Mm -hmm. And that your best client is waiting for you out there, but you haven't had time to be introduced to him or her. Yeah, I love what you're sharing there, uh, Rob, with the, the the motivational side of it or the, the confidence side of it. That you know, I, I love when when you're coaching an advisor. We always feel like if you can get a win or two to where they feel like, all right, I've I've knocked the uh, the rust off here. I'm able to bring in a client or two. Then all of a sudden they get the idea that you know what, it's not quite so scary if I were right. to let some of these go and have more time to do all of these activities. Yeah, and the other thing is that. We really flourish where the FAs are pretty frustrated. And so that pain of frustration coming from either putting in nights and weekends because you've got too many clients or the fact that you're not growing and you've tried everything and you're still not growing. When those things come together, that's when they usually call us. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, Rob, well, yeah, Kevin, uh, on a on a secondary yeah. question here, do you want it? Yeah, I'll take it. Um, you know, in in the book, Rob, you talk about this concept of kind of twelve four two, right? Um, each client should have twelve scheduled contacts per year. Four of those contacts should be quarterly reviews. At least two of those contacts should be face to face meetings covering a, a broad agenda. I'd love your perspective on how technology is changing these advisor client contacts or, or interactions? That's a great question. The, uh, right now, you know, when we, when we did our research in 1994 to determine what it was that clients wanted, uh, we determined that the three biggest things that would move the needle in terms of customer service were 1242, rapid response to their problems, one-hour response, 24-hour resolution, and a financial plan. Hmm. If, if we give those three things to clients, that would move customer satisfaction from the bottom to the top. And we did it, and it worked. We literally went from last in service to first. Wow. The problem was we couldn't sustain it with 600 clients, which was the average number of clients that the FAs had. So that then we had to reduce down to 100 clients, and now we're down to probably on average somebody truly doing Supernova has 70 clients. Um, so how has technology changed, and what does the customer want today in you know, 2016? They want 24 contacts a year. Um, and and that becomes impossible to, to do and have any reasonable number of clients. So what we found is that we can do that using technology, meaning a lot of what we can do can be handled through the efficiency of email. We could never do this before the way we do it today. <clears throat> Every client gets an appointment that's set scheduled and ahead of time. They have an agenda for that appointment, which is emailed to them, confirmed uh, with the, the agenda enclosed, and then after they get an executive summary of what was uh, concluded during that meeting. So this is each and every one of the 12 appointments. 
And again, we couldn't have done that mm -hmm. in the past. But with email, we can do it, and we can do it efficiently. It does an awful lot of things, but you can tell by setting the appointment, by sending the agenda, by having the appointment, and then by sending the executive summary, that's 48 contacts. Mm -hmm. Right. Are you seeing much text no. messaging, Rob? No. I mean, we don't, we don't focus on text messaging, but um, some clients prefer to be contacted um, by email and by text messaging. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's, um, we, don't, we don't, you know, recommend that as we kind of leave it up to the FA to determine how they want to interact with that client in terms of technology. But I think that it, you know, it works. Yeah, you I see people blending it in, but you know, in, informally, you know, not so much part of the review process, but more of, hey, quick text, are you free for March twenty fourth? We're having a little client event. Uh, wanted to check your schedule real quick before we, you know, finalize the date for simple interaction. Yeah, little quick. quick things if you've got busy clients. But I, I love your take on the email being uh, being an enabler to to ramping up the contact, mm -hmm. um, but still getting face to face pretty often. Yeah, we, we insist that you meet face-to-face -face twice a year. Okay. And that's the opportunity for the in-depth spousal contact. Mm -hmm. um, much of, of what you hear today is uh, you must interact with the spouse, whether it be the busy husband or the busy wife. You must do that at least twice a year or you're not going to, if something happens, and let's face it, divorce is just, you know, happening more and more, um, you're not going to be part of that relationship in the future right. if you don't um, give that other spouse time. And God forbid one of them pass away, you want to have that person trained, uh, efficient and effective as as a partner in this process of managing their their life. Right. And that doesn't happen in a month. It happens over time. So, Rob, are you saying that the, the, the 12.4.2 concept, kind of the, the 2016 version, has, has 24 contacts in there? Is that – am I hearing you right? Yeah, it probably has 36 to 48 contacts. Interesting. That's great. How do you see, Rob, if you were to walk into a random branch office, how do you see those recommendations that, that you're making versus what people are doing right there in that branch right now? If you were to randomly pull out five advisors, how much, how many contacts do you think they're making every year? Well, I mean, I think some are very conscientious, and they will, you know, they're not, FAs are smart, so they know exactly who's paying the bills. Hmm. So they may have 300 clients, but 50 of them paying the bill. That's right. Yeah. And they're calling those 50 um, probably, you know, 12 times a year. Mm -hmm. But the problem is they aren't doing the, you know, the two in-person meetings, and they may not be doing the four reviews. They may be doing one review or two reviews a year. Um, so I think that it's very random, and what what FAs tell me is that what they like is the process. Mm -hmm. um, we're very process-driven mm -hmm. so that every 
every day you have your four, three, four, or five calls to be made. Uh, there isn't any uh, getting around it. We still use the ancient folders, medical folders, built on that Dennis model. They have magical power. When the folders there, <laughs> the appointment's set, uh, the doctor makes the call. And that makes them more efficient. They don't have to think. What we want to do is eliminate as much of the thinking as possible so they can focus their energy and their their brain on the client and what they're going to be determining is the right steps to be taken in these crazy markets. Right. So it's less of what should I be doing today. Uh, I have a list of people I should be reaching out to. It's more of uh, how how can I get the most out of these interactions? Mm-hmm. You know, how, how can I be the most prepared for these, these very important client interactions? And technology aside, the technology doesn't matter. I mean, it's about the contacts, right? I mean, it doesn't matter if you use you know envelopes or a CRM system. It's about those contacts. Mm-hmm. Hey, right. for, for many of you out there, you, you may not know this about Rob. Rob has, uh, among other mountains, climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> and I'm always curious. I've heard this from you before, Rob, just casually offline, what you do to get ready for a task like that that most of us can't even imagine. And, and I'm curious if you can draw some parallels between the discipline required to climb a mountain like that and your routine to what some of, the, uh, you know, some of our audience all, could, could apply to their business. Well, I think it, the word used was routine. Mm. You know, we wonder why are some people so disciplined and others aren't. Well, we're all given about the same amount of discipline. The question is, what are your routines, or we call them rituals? Mm. And if you build the right ritual around your exercise process, it becomes something that you really don't have to think about very much. You know, I get up, even today, I get up early, I'm on my bike, and I'm done with my exercise program by 7.30. Hmm. And there's really no need for that. I'm in a retirement kind of community. I live on an island, Boca Grande. It's a lovely place, and the average person doesn't rise till about 8 o'clock. So <laughs> I'm up and riding with my buddies, sunrises, and it's just part of the rituals that I created when I was, uh, in my entire work life and my previous, you know, you create rituals around things that are good for you. Mm-hmm. Jim Lair, you know, we all have our mentors, and I've mentioned Zig Ziglar, Larry Wilson, but uh, Jim Lair, L-O-E-H-R, wrote a book called The Powerful Engagement. And the concept is, what would you do and how good could you be if you were fully engaged at all times? And that's the concept of, of peak performance, calling on your genius when you need it. Um, and that is determined by your ability to recover. So hmm. in order to have ideal performance state, you have to have ideal recovery state. And think about it. Your body is, is a physical being. It's, it's a brain. You are the brain in your head. And in order for that brain to operate properly, it has to have the proper nutrition, the proper amount of sleep, and frankly, the proper exercise. Hmm. And when you feed it endorphins in the morning from a good exercise program, it's good for the next four to six to eight hours. And people tell, you know, 
So that exercise and our, our, our athletes, corporate athletes, often say that they, you know, they have a good day every day because they feel great from their mm -hmm. exercise. So getting That's eight hours of sleep, you know, eating, eating regular uh, small meals every day, you feed your brain properly, and then your brain takes care of you. I love it. So yeah. And how often is it, Kevin, you know, you go to, a, and you've seen this, Rob, you're at a top producer conference, and, it, and a certain firm has gathered all of their best advisors. The gym in the morning is full. Right. It'll be 5.30, 6 in the morning, and that place is packed. And I think that, to me, always speaks to the fact that these are people who take care of their body and their brain. Yeah, we've seen them almost competitive with each other. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, it's, uh, they know the top advisor conference, they've got to show off to their buddies who have been working out all year. <laughs> right, right. People often ask me, how do you prepare for a mountain? I say, well, I kind of prepare all the time. Mm. You know, I've, I've always worked out because I always liked it, which is, you know, something that I'm blessed to enjoy. Um, but I think it's it's more the feedback that it gives to my to my body and to my brain that makes me enjoy it. So it's uh, you're absolutely right. If you're going to be a top performer, whether you're a Blue Angel or an athlete or a corporate athlete, you've got to be in peak shape so that you can perform at a moment's notice because the markets are you know, volatile. No, they're not linear. Your challenges don't come to you in a linear way, steady all day. No, they come to you with that that client that's upset and wants to sell, and that you know the management all of a sudden has a new plan and they want to disrupt your your life, <laughs> and all the you know things come at you at, from different angles all the. And so you've got to be prepared and calm and, you know, it, that, that comes from practice and from uh, practicing a model that will keep you healthy and happy all the time. Great yeah, good, stuff. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, so I know, Kevin, I, I've got some excellent takeaways from today, yeah. as we do every time we talk with Rob. And yeah. We're honored you uh, joined us today, Rob. Well, thank you, Kevin. And I appreciate it very much. I think the uh, I think it's a great idea to bring together some interesting uh, interesting people and share. You know, we're all in the same business. Uh, we all learn from each other, and and part of it is growing every day by capturing new ideas and then incorporating them into our practice so mm -hmm. that so that we can you know be be the people that that, that we're all capable of being. Absolutely. So, Rob, final question for you today. I, I, we were thinking yesterday, Kevin and I were talking, and we said, you know, I bet Rob, when he started the Supernova program, he probably had no idea how, how big this program was going to get and how much impact it was going to have on the industry. Do you think there's any part of him who wishes back then he called it like the, the Napa Nova program <laughs> or the, the Napa Nader? <laughs> Has that thought ever crossed your mind, Rob? We really had this conversation, by the way. Oh, that's funny. It, Jack, I absolutely went the opposite way. <laughs> Your next book, right? Your next book. <laughs> the Napinator program. I love it. No, yeah, we, in all seriousness, we, thank you. Thank you, Rob, yeah. for spending some time with us today. We, we really appreciate that, and I know our listeners have enjoyed it. All right. Well, thanks, guys. It's been fun.